Welcome to Matthew's World of Wine and Drink, an educational podcast dedicated to teaching you all about the wines of the world, the different regions, the different grape varieties, and the history and culture of wine. In this episode, we continue our focus on South America by looking at Argentina, the most important wine-producing country on the continent. It's a very large country, with its wine regions concentrated the foothills of the Andes and the western side of the country which is the only area really suitable for wine production because of the cooling effect of altitude. So it has a continental climate with a strong diurnal variation in those um, areas, which we'll look at in the next episode in particular. But in this episode, we're going to look at the history of Argentina and the different grape varieties which are planted in the country. The capital city of Argentina is, of course, Buenos Aires, a very large city of around 13 million people, which is about a third of the entire population of Argentina. It's a very concentrated but the winemaking regions are located at great distance away from Buenos Aires um, and the other side of the country. So Argentina goes all the way back in its wine production to the 1550s. As I mentioned in the previous episode, um, the Spanish planted vines in Mexico and then went down to Peru, where they, or what is now Peru, where they planted vines. And then they went down to Chile and then across the Andes to Argentina. And that was in the 1550s and Mendoza was founded in 1561. And that's still the most important wine-producing region in Argentina. And it's because of the Jesuits, the missionaries, they found that this area was very good for grape growing because of the altitude and the diurnal temperature variation. And they planted what is now called Criola Chica, which in Chile is Pais, and in California is Mission. And that was the most important grape for the next 300 years. And although the, um, the beginnings of the Argentinian wine industry, like Chile, were religious, it quickly became a secular practice, um, a status symbol to, to show that you made your own wine and had the money to do so and had the affluence. And it began, became uh, commercial, but everything, of course, was domestic. Irrigation is vital in this in this. Uh, warm continental climate. There's very little rain during the summer, uh, but the snow melt from the Andes provides the irrigation, and the use of dams and irrigation channels enabled it, uh, the production of enough wine for the growing population, and those irrigation channels are still very important. So Argentina became independent in 1816, and that opened up a lot of trade channels in internationally, because the Spanish had been very um, oppressive in their influence over the wine industry across South America, one of the reasons why the countries wanted to be independent so they could actually free up their own trade rather than having to be subservient to uh, Spain. And that opened up a massive influx of immigrants after the independence from Europe. And of course the European immigrants brought their winemaking skills and their grape growing skills to Argentina and had a strong influence on the development of the industry. In 1850, Malbec was first brought to Argentina, and there was a nursery set up in 1851 to bring in European varieties so they weren't just using Criolla Chica. And then after that, the most important development was the railway, which connected Mendoza to Buenos Aires. So as I mentioned, great distance, over a thousand kilometres from Buenos Aires to Mendoza, one side of the country to the other, but Buenos Aires really... um, important market for the wine and so the railway which was used to uh, transport cattle also could transport wine and that opened up the market for Mendoza. And around this time, 1900, there's a second wave of immigrants from Italy, Spain and France and they brought new grape varieties, they brought regional skills, they dispensed with the old colonial methods which were very old-fashioned and out of date except irrigation which was still very relevant and important and this is the foundation of the modern wine industry. And Argentina at that time was a very affluent country. In the 1920s, it was the 8th richest country in the world. And they drank a lot. They drank 60 litres per person each year. 
and 80% of that wine was consumed by Italian and Spanish immigrants. It's quite a booming industry based on the immigration. But the, the Wall Street crash in 1929 sunk Argentina into a depression, like the rest of the world, but Argentina just never recovered from that depression because of um, political mismanagement, economic instability, military rule and corruption, and dictatorship just held Argentina back, far removed from its wealthy position in the 1920s. By the 1970s, with the military dictatorship, wine was just bulk. People were consuming 100 litres per person per year, which is a huge amount of wine, which has now fallen down to about 30 litres per person, which is still very high globally, but a lot lower than it used to be. And that's because there's been a transformation from inexpensive bulk table wine to good quality, more expensive wine that is fit for export. And that change happened in the late 1980s. Argentina was in an economic crisis, inflation of a thousand percent, no investments in the wine industry. But then there was more political and economic stability towards the end of the decade, and democracy opened up, that opened up trade, and producers started to export, and that meant higher quality wine. Still not economically completely stable, in 2002 the peso to the dollar lock was abandoned, which led to a crash in the economy. However, the, because prices went down for Argentinian wine, it actually opened up more export markets because the wines were even more affordable than they already were. So the Argentina, Argentinian econ economy does go up and down. So the great boom in Argentinian wine over the last 30 years has been based around Malbec. There's actually um, a lot of vine pull in the 1980s with a focus on quality rather than quantity. But a lot of it, what pulled up was Malbec. And this, in many ways, was a shame because Malbec was... A, has become the signature grape variety of Argentina. There were 50,000 hectares of Malbec planted in the 1960s, and that had re been reduced to 10,000 by 1990 because of the vine pool schemes. And some of the Malbec that was being pulled out was old vine and would have actually been good quality. So, although the intentions of the vine pool were good, and it wasn't always properly focused. So now Argentina is associated with Malbec. As I mentioned, Malbec was brought to Argentina in the 1850s. And because Malbec is little planted elsewhere in the world, it was planted in Bordeaux up until the 1950s, but susceptible to spring frost, which in Bordeaux was an issue. In 1956, all the Malbec vines died, and so they just didn't bother replanting. So now the only region in France which is dedicated to Malbec is Cahors, which is southwest France inland from Bordeaux. So Argentina, when it launched Malbec into the world in the 1990s, no one else was doing it, so it's not something new. The conditions in Mendoza are very different from Bordeaux, so a lot warmer. And so Malbec, which is a late-ripening grape, doesn't, ha doesn't have to worry about the spring frost, and it doesn't have to worry about rain in the autumn either, so it'll get fully ripe. And with the diurnal temperature variation, that slow ripening means the acidity is still high, and you've got firm tannins and ripe black fruits very balanced. And so this is a very approachable style of wine, which became extremely popular and fashionable, and it was affordable as well. So plantings in Malbec have risen. So going from at 10,000 in 1990, there's now over 30,000 hectares, which accounts for 14% of all the plantings in Argentina. And altitude is all important for Malbec, for, for that a diurnal temperature variation, so we get that long growing season where the grapes will get ripe, but will maintain their structure and their balance. So um, Mendoza is the largest wine region, we'll talk about the regions in the next episode, but Malbec, what producers are doing with Malbec in Mendoza is really trying to express the, the different zones of Mendoza to show that it's not just one uniform style. So in the lower plateau of Luján de Cuyo, the wines are smoother and richer. As you go higher up into the Uco Valley, 
there's more structure and more elegance. The wines aren't quite as big and beefy, and the acidity is also going to be higher. So that's something to look out for with Argentina, the different styles of Malbec, because consumers are arguably getting a bit bored with Malbec. That boom has happened, now they want to look for new things. And so different styles of Malbec can be important to kind of keep consumers drinking the stuff. The second most planted grape variety in Argentina is Bernarda, which is the same grape variety as Duce Noir in um, southeast France, also the same as Croatina in Italy. Confusingly, there is a grape variety there called Bernarda, but it is different. And in California, it's called Charbono. And this has nearly 18,000 hectares of plantings. And weirdly enough, Bernarda was retained in the 1980s when Malbec was being pulled up, which is a little strange decision. The yields for Bernarda are always high. The colour is deep, very fruity and very uh, chocolatey as well. And it's very good for blending, adds a bit of chocolate dark fruit to Malbec. It can also be blended with the Criolla Chica to improve the quality of those low quality grapes. It can make very good wine, and I've had very good Bernardo, but it's few and far between. Yields have to be contained, and the leaf canopy has to be managed, and irrigation has to be controlled as well to make sure the yields are cut. And Bernardo is a bit more versatile than Malbec's. It likes the warmer climates, where Malbec likes the, those cool nights. But generally, Bernardo is fruity wines for early consumption. Cabernet Sauvignon is, of course, widely planted, as it is in most countries. But this is uh, pretty much a new uh, trend. In 1990, there were 2,500 hectares. Now there are over 16,000 hectares. And this is planted in pretty much the same places that Malbec is planted, though not quite as high up. And so it has no problem getting getting fully ripe. Um, so in Luján de Cuyo, which is a bit lower down, fully ripening is not a challenge. So you're going to get big, fruity Cabernet Sauvignon from Mendoza. As you go higher up into Uco Valley, it's the, in the warmer, riper vintages that Cabernet Sauvignon is more successful. If it's a bit cooler, then it might not be quite fully ripe. Merlot is also planted. This has just over 6,000 hectares. This is usually in a blend, though there are single varietal Merlots made, mostly in a blend with Cabernet, and it's actually planted higher up than Malbec, but lower than Chardonnay, which is also widely planted. And Chardonnay is key for exports. People obviously know Chardonnay, and the US and British markets look like Chardonnay, even though there are people who say they don't. It's still widely drunk. And in 1990, there were just 1,000 hectares. Now it's over 6,000. The clone which is uh, planted is called the Mendoza clone, which is also planted in New Zealand. And this is called the Wenty clone in, in California. And this has a lot of Miller and Darge, the hen and chicken effect. And so this means that you have um, uneven ripening within bunches. So you'll have fully ripe, large grapes. But then you have really small ones as well. If you're looking for quantity, this isn't a good thing. But if you're looking for quality, it's good, because those small grapes provide a bit of tannin and structure to the wine, make it a bit firmer. And Chardonnay is planted at the highest altitudes, um, up to 1,200 metres in Uco Valley with the limestone soil, so really high altitude, keeping the acidity high. And then also in Salto to the north, which has a large diurnal temperature variation where plantings can be as high as 2,000 metres. And so the Chardonnay will be international in style with oak and malolactic fermentations. So you'll have those oaky, creamy, dairy aromas, but you'll have that fresh acidity as well. And the Chardonnays are very well balanced. Also, um, Sauvignon Blanc is planted a little bit, but it's not usually that good. And there are just over 2,000 hectares of plantings. But the other really important white grape of Argentina is Torrentes, which is an Argentinian natural crossing of Muscat and Criolla Chica. And so it is indigenous to Argentina. 
And this is the signature white grape of Argentina. And this is what Argentinian winemakers want to be the white equivalent of Malbec. Unfortunately, it is a very difficult grape to work with because it has low acidity and high alcohol. So getting a balance right is very difficult. And so altitude is all important. There are actually um, three different varieties of Torrentes. Torrentes Riojano has around about 8,000 hectares of plantings. It's the most planted white grape variety. It comes from La Rioja, which is a region of Argentina, where it's the most planted variety. And this is the one that's, and this is a cross between Criolla Chica, which is Pais, and Muscat of Alexandria. Then there's Torrentes San Juanino, which comes from San Juan, with about 2,000 hectares of plantings, which is less aromatic, with bigger berries and compact clusters. And then Torrentes Mendocino, which has only 700 hectares and lacks aromas. So Torrentes Riojano is the one you're going to be drinking, most likely, internationally. And it's fragrant in its aromas, reminiscent of Muscat, so it's quite tropical on the nose, very floral, grapey, aromatic. And as I said, alcohol can be an issue, and so the high altitude of Salta, uh, in, particularly in Cafieti, which is a sub-region of Salta, with high sandy vineyards, 1600 metres or higher, keeps the acidity high and keeps the alcohol down because of the wide diurnal temperature, temperature variation with those very cool nights. But these uh, aromas are going to be very pronounced, quite assertive, even aggressive. And then there are a couple of other uh, black grape varieties planted, uh, Tempranillo and Syrah. Syrah, increasingly important, very little planted back in 1990. Now it's much more widely planted, and these will produce quite fruity, forward wines. And then there's also Tempranillo, which is used to make light, fruity wines, often using carbonic maceration. Quite simple, sometimes blended with Bernarda or Malbec to add some red fruit aromas. So those are the different grape varieties planted in Argentina and also the history of the country. In the next episode we'll look at the different regions of Argentina and the different styles of wine made in them. So thank you for listening. This is Matthew and this has been Matthew's World of Wine and Drink.